Holy hell and hallelujah, Higher Side Chatters. Are you aware? Did you know? Have you seen the memo? The Higher Side Chats is finally doing a live podcast. Tell them about it, Bill. Okay, I don't know. Whatever it is, it's not right on a teleprompter. I don't know what that is. I've never seen that. Oh, it's right, Bill. Believe it. I know it's something new, but I'm actually doing a live podcast with Ryan Davis and Sam Tripoli from Tinfoil Hat. What does that mean? Well, we're going to do a live podcast from the stage at the Ice House Comedy Club in Pasadena. Me, Sam, Ryan, and what seems like a pretty exciting list of rotating comics. Just read them the information. I can't read it. There's no There's no words on it. All right, I can do it. All right, go, go. In five, four, three. Folks, the Higher Side Chats, in conjunction with the Tinfoil Hat Podcast, Sam Tripoli, Ryan Davis, and myself are doing a live show on October 10th at the Ice House Comedy Club in Pasadena. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, despite the chemtrail-laden skies, despite the potential for low-frequency electromagnetic wave mind manipulation, I, Greg Carlwood, am slinking out of my deep, dark San Diego compound to step out into the light and talk to real, live human beings. For you, dear people. We're going to be drinking a little drink, smoking a little smoke, and rocking a conspiratorial roundtable like I've never done before. And I need you, is what I'm saying. Please come join the party. And again, October 10th, for only $10. Oh, you better believe that magic is real. IceHouseComedy.com for tickets, and I'll see you there. Fucking thing sucks! Let's hope not, Bill. Let's hope not. Almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something There beyond the realm of man And until you've thoroughly tested Every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know The less you really do That's true, Dr. Zayas Very well Where would we be without THC? Right, higher side chatters, I think we've all learned by now that we can't take any mainstream narrative at face value. Chemtrails are real, vaccines aren't good for us, and very rarely does a lone gunman actually act alone. So in the wake of the most recent mass shooting in Las Vegas at the Route 91 Harvest Festival, the week of the Harvest Moon, I saw many things that just didn't add up. From shooters reported at multiple hotels to the rich and eerie symbolism that the whole event is drenched in, And when such an event occurs, there's one man we can always depend on to break it down for us, and that man is Ole Demingard. Ole, of course, is the man behind the beacon in the darkness that is LightOnConspiracies.com, and he's the terror event decoder extraordinaire. We had him here less than two months ago to break down his most recent understanding of the template, as well as the events in London, Manchester, Charlottesville, and Barcelona. It's bittersweet to have him back so soon, but I, for one, am psyched he's here to help us make sense of what we saw. Ole, my man, welcome back to the higher side. How the hell are you? <laughs> How the hell are you? I'm good, thank you. <laughs> but, uh, my God, I wish I didn't have to come on so often. Right. It's uh, crazy times. It really is. And I do appreciate you setting this up with me on such short notice. I know you got to get a ton of interview requests when these high-profile events do happen, and I'm thankful that you made time for us. 
And in regards to Vegas, it's always important to examine each isolated event carefully, but last time you broke down the template for us, and it's uncanny just how much of this Vegas shooting actually fits that template for a heavily controlled and manipulated event, wouldn't you say? Just like you say, it's so important not to jump into any conclusion. So I would prefer not to say anything at this stage, and then people can judge for themselves when this interview is over. Sure. Was it the official version that is correct, or is it possible that there is an alternative uh, truth behind it? Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, I've just come back. I did a um, presentation in Copenhagen, Denmark, at the Open Mind Conference. You can go openmindconference.com you go on the videos 2017 and you will find my presentation there and i tell you in that presentation it's called the terror are you kidding me uh, i really like that title because it's come to a point where it's almost ridiculous many times uh, not including the las vegas one because that is a, on a different level but in it i break down uh, the, the different aspects and the different ingredients on a, in a new way and a better, in a better and more easily understood way, I think, than before. So anyone interested in this, please go to openmindconference.com and listen to that uh, presentation. It's a two hour, in, uh, presentation. I got standing ovation, so I hope it's not too boring. <laughs> uh, but, in it, I point out so many things that are pointing straight into what's went on in Las Vegas as well. The different uh, codings, the, the secret uh, communication they have behind the scenes with color coding and, and uh, secret signals, the Patsy, the, you name it, all of it. So many, many things that uh, are in this uh, event in Las Vegas is actually more or less predicted in my presentation, which was before it happened. I also want to say, I actually turned into a verb since we spoke last. Uh, somebody has, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, coined the, the expression damaguarding. <laughs> I saw that. As a way of doing like forensic work, uh, forensic ana analysis, the way that uh, I try to do my best. To, and it is in the predictions of upcoming events that uh, I've sort of made my my mark uh, because I've been able to predict uh, multiple of these events uh, on international radio before they went down. And there's actually one guy, his name is uh, Anaconda Maltlicker, uh, and he was the one that coined that phrase, Damagarden. There's a video I call, I think it's called Two for Freeman and One for the Bucket or something like that. On You can find it on YouTube. And in it, he says, I'm going to do a bit of damagoding myself. And he takes a photo after the Freeman shooting and point, points out that there's one uh, woman in the crowd that has very visible black and white pants on where it says Las Vegas. And so he's making it almost like a joke. Who knows, maybe we're looking at a new false flag in Las Vegas. And if so, then it's uh, out there now. This was on September 16th, and boom, then it happened in Las Vegas. I also want to say, Greg, that uh, uh, some people have complained that I never give credit to other people uh, and other researchers. And that is my bad, my apologies. At the same time, what I do is I download everything 
everything, everything, all the photos, all articles I can find, all videos, all testimonials, I do interviews on my own and then put them into catalogs and systemize the whole event in a meticulous way, the, the best I can do before I start giving my opinion of what, what went down. And once I do these presentations, if I start saying, well, this was found by that one, that was found by this one, I, this got sent for me, I got sent this from that person, and it, it, the half of the interview would be gone. Right. And in my opinion is that the only thing that matters is that we stop this madness. It doesn't matter who found what and uh, who came up with what part of the truth. At least I don't think so. Let's all join together, help each other, and, and just expose it. That's the main thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can agree with that. Anyway, I want to thank everyone who is doing an incredible research job out there. Many people are doing videos in, on a scale that is uh, I've never seen before. I mean, like years before, there were nothing after one of these events like the Boston. Very few. And then it just started escalating. And now it's just... Phew, it's it's almost like on an hourly rate, there are new videos coming out by excellent people out there with a keen eye for details and so on. So it's really sort of, uh, I think so many have got got the idea of what's going down and also starting to understand how they're constructed and doing an amazing uh, input in sharing information. So also, I want to thank people who keep sending me stuff because I get from all over the world emails. Sometimes I don't even know who it is from. I think sometimes insiders, sometimes shills, you never know. Uh, but also from different uh, uh, ABC or alphabetic uh, intelligence agencies and so on that are sending, that, that are decent people, but just seeing that uh, here is a way of possibly getting parts of the truth out there. So I really want to thank those as well. Right. It is pretty inspirational just how many people are rejecting the official story here. A lot of people are looking at this with a critical eye just because the story doesn't make a ton of sense. Even people I went to high school with who I've heard through the grapevine have had plenty of good laughs about me being Mr. Conspiracy Guy. I've seen a couple of them turn a corner and post things to the effect of something doesn't seem right about Vegas. And it's pretty mind-blowing to see. If there's a silver lining anywhere to all this, that's got to be it. It's so wonderful, isn't it? It's absolutely, I mean, from being looked upon as weird and a tinfoil hat and crazy to being part of exposing these things, it's absolutely wonderful, I think. Agreed. Agreed. So the way we usually do this is we have you walk us through the official story while you point out the holes. Now we can get deeper into specific aspects of it, but would you like to maybe break down this one for us, yeah. how, how it looked in the mainstream versus what you saw? Yeah. I also want to say that this is an ongoing operation. There's so much information that I have not been able to get confirmed yet and so on. So um, what I'm saying is not sort of uh, made in concrete. Uh, it's still floating around. So I'm, I'm going to do my best to just give um, uh, the best picture I can of what went down and, and so on. So please bear with me, okay? Mm -hmm. It is said that uh, there was this uh, uh, Harvest 91 concert. It was, it's like a festival in Las Vegas. I think it's for the third or fourth year or something like that in, in a row. It, there was a um, country and western concert this evening with a a star called Jason 
Aldine, I think his uh, name is pronounced. And uh, in the middle of this concert, it said that there was 222,000 people in the crowd. And in the middle of this, it was in front of the Luxor Hotel, which is a massive big pyramid, and the uh, Mandalay uh, Hotel. Uh, it is in the center of, uh, of Las Vegas. It's on the Sunstrip uh, uh, Boulevard. And right in the middle of, of the concert, suddenly somebody starts uh, firing with uh, heavy, uh, heavy caliber guns from a hotel window, two different windows on the 32nd floor of the Mandalay Hotel. And that is sort of like, uh, I don't know, in feet, but that would be like, uh, I don't know what that is, quite a distance. Is it 900 feet or something like that? I think it's 1,100 actually, but yeah, something like that. And it's from the 32nd floor, the official story says, where, so the angle is, uh, even though it's at a distance, it, the angle is downwards quite, uh, quite a lot. And it said that uh, this uh, guy, Stephen Paddock, that nobody had ever heard about before, 64 years old, that for some reason he got apparently pissed off. And so he carried up, they say, 23 different automatic weapons up to his room. He had uh, rented, I think, two rooms to start with. And then he started firing uh, out through the windows. He knocked out the windows, these two windows, that are on different sides of one in the room and one in the suite. Uh, he knocked it out with a hammer, it said, and then he started shooting. And uh, he shot straight down into the crowd. He has killed, they say now, 59 people and 515 wounded. Then it said that it took 72 minutes for the police to locate him, to see where were the shots coming from. Uh, that's one hour and 12 minutes while he was uh, firing from this uh, hotel room. And then once they managed to get in there, uh, he committed suicide. And it said that he shot himself in the head and killed himself. And uh, that was it. Mm -hmm. So this is the official story. And uh, if we start breaking it down, once again, you know, if something happens in a natural way, even though witnesses might tell slightly different stories, the timeline, the general idea, everything will work together. They won't be inconsistencies or at least not very drastic ones. But here we see very major uh, weird things going on. One of the things is that Las Vegas, as you know, is the center of uh, a lot of money. And uh, so there's a lot of security going on in the casinos. There's like CCTV cameras like in London, absolutely everywhere. Security, security, security is on a high uh, standard also everywhere. And uh, if what I've been told is correct, uh, this hotel, the Mandalay Hotel, had recently had metal detectors installed. So one question is, how did this individual manage to get 23 heavy caliber automatic weapons up to the 32nd floor, including lots and lots of ammunition without anyone even noticing? I think that is a pretty good question to ask. And also, are you telling me that there's no CCTV footage on the street, on the area where the concert was, even though there was 
officially 22,000 people there. No cameras that were sort of covering the area for security, the entrance, exits. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. There's nothing from the reception in the hotel, from the elevators going up, from the corridors in the hotel, nothing, which is also very standard when it is a false flag operation or a black operation, not uh, a real terror event. One thing I want to point out is that there is a, a, a big misunderstanding when it comes to what a false flag operation is. Many people think that a false flag operation is when somebody does not die, that there are no real victims. That is absolutely not true. A false flag operation is an old naval term from uh, the old days in the 16th, 1700s, when uh, naval nations like uh, England, Spain, Holland, and so on, was uh, traveling in, around in the world, conquering minor countries, invading, crushing, and just taking over. But they could do that because their, their force was so brutal and so much bigger than most of these countries. But sometimes it caused problems with trade agreements, neighboring countries, relationships, stuff like that. So somebody came up with the idea, why don't we put the enemy's flag on one of our own ships, then we let our own ship attack us ourselves, and then instead of us being the bad boys, we become the victim, and then that justifies us defending ourselves by invasion, conquer, rape, plunder, and death. And then even other countries would even applaud the ones attacking as heroes. So it's a, it's a psyop. It's a psyop where the one being attacked is actually the attacker. And when you look in history books, I, I tell you, I don't know how many wars over the centuries that have been started based on false flag operations. I mean, it is, there's so many of them. So, so, so many. Right. So a false flag is that. Also, we have problem, reaction, solution, an old, old Roman template that has been used in the hundreds and hundreds, I don't know how many times this one has been used. And that one is based on that the the few in power or the few behind a thing like this secretly create a problem. Uh, this could be like a mass shooting like this, a, a so-called terror event, a bomb, a, a virus scare, a, a financial crash, something like that. The reason why they secretly created is for us to go into an absolute panic mode where we react emotionally without thinking. We just go in in a mode like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we need protection. And then we turn towards the ones we think are there to protect us, not understanding that it's actually them who have created the problem. And their solution, because they will then say, Oh, the only way we can help you with this horrible problem is, and boom, in comes the solution. And the solution every single time is something we would never have ever accepted had it not been for the problem. Problem, reaction, solution. Once again, a psyop, a psyop. So you have to, when things like this happen, be very aware of what solutions we're being offered to this problem and who is offering it to us. Because if it is one of these false flags based on problem, reaction, solution, the one who will offer us the solution is the one who carried it out. 
So extremely important to see who steps forward afterwards. So in these, uh, what I call therapies, uh, we have different things that are very, very essential. We have a drill. There is always, always, always a drill before one of these things goes down. If it is a false flag or a black op. Not all, sorry, not always a black op, but a false flag for sure. And the reason for these uh, uh, drills are to be able to get vehicles in positions, crisis actors in positions, shooters in positions, photographers, advisors, marketing agencies, everything set up without us being able to interfere because we think it's a security drill for our protection. It's so very kind of them to do that, our protection, not. Sometimes, yes. Sometimes we're looking at foul play. So you always have to look out, was there a drill? And this time, once again, yes, there was a drill. Homeland Security had a drill uh, the days upcoming to this event. So the drill was there. There was also an active shooter drill for some of the people working in casinos and so on in that area, mandatory. So the drills were there. Another ingredient that are always there is the patsy. Most of the time, a lone individual, a lone crazy guy, a lone wolf, as they also say. And the reason why they want him alone is then by law, there's no conspiracy. So that you don't have to deal with it as a conspiracy like that, especially not if the person dies on location. That is essential here. And the reason they want him crazy is because then there was no motive. He was just crazy or he was on special drugs, or he was uh, a fanatic, a Muslim. So whoop, motive out of the way. And so if this individual is uh, terminated or commits suicide right after, then it's case closed. Thank you, folks. Please go home and go back to sleep. That's the general idea. That's what they want us to believe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just uh, on the same subject, just to quote you a few times from our last interview, I went back and listened to it, but these are all things. It says, they seem to be moving on to large concerts and big group events. Ding, ding, ding. They're targeting cities with higher tourism value. There often seems to be early reports of more than one shooter, and then those reports fade to the background. The shooter kills themselves or is killed, so they can't defend themselves or have a trial, just like you mentioned. There is a suspiciously high level of media coordination. I think that's a hit. And these are all things you said two months ago that I think pretty perfectly describe this Vegas shooting as well. Greg, I've been saying this for years. <laughs> it's, yeah. a, it's the same, the same, the same, the same, and the same. So, like you said be, before, these uh, what they what they target are locations with high tourist touristic value. That is, the reason for that is to get the emotional impact so that it will involve as many people as possible. And also locations that affects people emotionally in as many countries as possible. So high touristic or a place within a national iconic uh, symbolism or status. So in Europe, it would be like the Eiffel Tower, Acropolis, uh, Big Ben, and so on. In the States, it would be Twin Towers, it would be the Statue of Liberty, and so on. But Las Vegas just totally fits uh, that as well. It will also be, uh, there. it would be that or 
senses of communication, like airports, train stations, uh, bus stations, uh, these type of things. But now, since they're running out, I would say, of, of targets, they've used so, they've used all of them almost. So now they, they've started to move in on the arenas where they can get the same emotional impact. And so instead of a, an uh, iconic building, they go for an iconic, uh, artist or like a football team, a soccer team or, or something like that. It seems like this is the, the, the next one they really start aiming at. So you will see here, there's been quite a few here in recent time. And you will also see that the artist that performs, I would suggest are often, maybe they're not aware of it, but through their managers and uh, the production company behind them, they are deeply involved. But with all of these operations, they're totally compartmentalized. I mean, it is essential that uh, everyone involved knows as little as possible. So, do you know, like only very few people will know the whole picture. Right. The ones behind the scenes, pulling the strings and so on. And many people will be part of this whole machine without understanding it. That's the whole idea. Oh, no doubt. And uh, let me ask you this. So, you know, it's kind of weird, the actual Patsy used in this event. He doesn't really fit the typical template because he's a, a rich, older guy. And there are some interesting things like Paddock, his name actually means to contain in a fenced area. I mean, that's how people were contained. You know, he used to work at a company that became Lockheed Martin. His dad was this famous bank robber on the FBI's most wanted list. He escaped from federal prison at one point. There's just a lot of weird things. His girlfriend being sent to the Philippines with $100,000 to buy a house. Who knows exactly what elements of this are true, but the guy doesn't seem to fit that usual template. And he does have a weird history of being involved with defense contractors and his father being definitely on the FBI's radar. I mean, there are just some elements that scream like lifelong asset in some regards. But do you have any further thoughts on why this patsy? Big time, big time, because the thing is, it's a very good point you make there because this guy doesn't fit in at all. And for me, it seems like there's a, quite a lot of science also, not sure that if it's true yet, because when, in these operations, they will spread a lot of disinformation as well. So it's important not to get the sort of lured into an, any ambush here. Right. It seems like he was a CIA uh, contracted pilot who is uh, involved in many different uh, uh, ways. He there he has like, uh, when you go through his uh, his background, it seems like he has like 30 different addresses in the US. Some sources says that he's a multimillionaire. He's like 64 without no previous history of criminal uh, background, yet and not no interest in guns, according to his uh, brother and so on. And yet, this is, uh, I mean, he's using weapons that normally you need to be quite skilled to even know how to handle. And sometimes you even have to be two to, to use them. But th there are some very weird things about this individual as well, because his name is Stephen C. Paddock. And the police identified him quite quickly. They gave the address and so on. But that Stephen C. Paddock that lives on that address doesn't look like the photo we're being shown at all. Not at all. They, they don't appear, they don't even resemble each other. 
But the photo that is shown of uh, this shooter and spread globally that this is the shooter, he's standing with his uh, Philippine girlfriend, that one resembles a lot to Gene Rosen, if you remember the Sandy Hook uh, witness, uh, that uh, very, very bad uh, crisis actor. Gene Rosen, check him out. I mean, one of the worst crisis actors ever, but they look very, very similar, even though their ear shape is slightly different. But I mean, these are things that you can easily do with Photoshop. And also, the Philippine girlfriend that he has does not look in any way or form like the one that they put out, what do you call it then? Is it called ATP? Now, one of these uh, being chased down internationally, trying to be found. So it also seems that there's some signs that this Philippine girlfriend was ac abs uh, actually an FBI asset that he was working together with, but that this photo that is being spread was actually found on this original Stephen C. Paddock's. Uh, he has different uh, official pages, you know, LinkedIn and other pages, and on on them, as far as I know, this photo was found of his girlfriend, but with another man, this man that is now pointed out as being uh, Stephen C. Paddock, 64. So absolute confusion regarding who is this individual. Is the photo we're being shown him? And also, if you search that photo and you compare it also with the photos that we have shown that, oh, here he is, uh, younger and so on, they really, I doubt that it's even the same person. So this is something we, we really need to look into. Also because once you start looking deeper into operations like this, if the official story is not true, uh, and if there is a different version behind it, what you will end up uh, with are often deep, deep into uh, core uh, rogue elements of different uh, intelligence agencies. Normally, CIA, Mossad will be there big time, big time. You will see all of these uh, clues going into especially different Israeli, uh, or I wouldn't say Israeli, but uh, I would say into Mossad. Uh, it's not so much a country as the intelligence uh, rogue elements that are just... Uh, like my friend Nick Collistrom, a researcher and author, he said, uh, when you study terrorism, if you study it without uh, studying Mossad, it's like watching Hamlet without the prince. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. they, are, they are the ones that came up with the whole thing and so on. And they're there all the time. So we have very weird things. I, I hope it's okay if I just jump around Please. a bit. Because, uh, okay, so I'll just... Uh, go wild and jump in all different directions. Do you remember one of the things that uh, we keep seeing after these events are shoes, trainers, trainers, trainers. I think I mentioned this on your show before, haven't I? Yes, yes. I never understood why are there all of these shoes lying around and why are the victims so often missing shoes? And uh, I think it was about a year ago or something like that, an insider from a Freemasonic Lodge contacted me and said, this is actually a Freemasonic sign, just like in their rituals. If uh, somebody takes part of a ritual, he takes off one shoe and uh, pulls up one trouser leg, and that is a sign of him showing that he's doing it voluntarily. 
that he's in on it and doing it voluntarily. Sometimes also they they um, open their shirt so that uh, you can see their chest. If you take two shoes off, that shows homage to the sacred space and the ritual that is being carried out. And so these shoes have just, uh, it's, it's incredible when you start seeing these trainers. And very often they're Nike trainers that are just right in the middle of the images, very clearly put there. And I believe that there is a way for these, uh, I don't know what to call them, but like these hidden power, power structures that are behind so much misery in the world. They have a lot of these operations going on. But if they start, you know, sending emails to each other, making phone calls, uh, writing letters, somebody like me might be able to get a track, uh, you know, sniff them up and track it up and or track them down. So somebody came up with the idea, why don't we just uh, agree on different symbols and colors? Right. And then once it's our operation, if it's something we have done, then we'll just leave this like a business card. And everyone in the know will understand. Aha, uh-huh, okay, got it. It's ours. It's ours. We're in control here. That one is ours as well. I had no idea about that, but cleverly done. And so on. So the shoes are essential. And after I started pointing it out, they cut down from like so many down to one or two per operation because now it's been, it's becoming like publicly known and not a secret language anymore. But here we have, once again, you have several of the uh, victims. Uh, one shoe is off. Uh, there's also like very uh, high uh, quality photos that are a symbol for this uh, tragedy in, in Las Vegas. One of them, uh, a pair of cowboy boots standing there on their own with embroidery of the American flag. Can you, can you see the symbolism in, in that image? Also, there's a GoFundMe page where they've collected, I think, more than $26 million so far uh, for what they say, the victims. And uh, there's also one of the photos that is connected to that GoFundMe page is a couple uh, walking across the street. And this guy is walking in his socks uh, with his boots in his hand. So why would you why would you do a thing like that? What what would make you take off your sh- your boots and walk, especially somewhere where there's been a lot of uh, people, glass, uh, things like? I mean, I walk barefoot a lot of the time, but I wouldn't. I would sort of not even go there uh, barefoot like that. So what is it saying? I would suggest this is the signal being sent out there. There's also a young couple that are being interviewed. Totally without emotion, talking about, uh, yes, people were getting killed right, left and center. Uh, we had to crawl over uh, under them and I got blood on me and so on. And then the reporter asked the, the young guy, well, let's see what happened to you. And then he said, well, I lost a shoe and the camera goes down and films his foot like for like a minute or something like that when he explains how he lost his shoe and so I mean, if you were a normal reporter, would you care about a, a lost shoe or anything? If there's like 59 dead and 515 wounded, would you even bother about a shoe? But here there's a main focus on the shoe. And the, the young lady that is being interviewed there as well, she appeared on Dr. Phil not long ago as uh, one of the guests there. You will see also this is one of the things that keeps repeating. 
that you have the eyewitnesses, normally with these uh, alleged terror attacks, the eyewitnesses will belong to either they will have some kind of contact to, with media, film or theater, or the government. These three groups. But you will also see that it's from the exact same countries like all the other of these false flag uh, operations are. And they're always connected to either the US or NATO countries, more or less always, at least the ones that are coordinated. So very often you will find uh, that, uh, for instance, you have if uh, one of the hits are in Australia, it would be in Sydney or in Melbourne. Uh, and if it's in Europe, it would be in the same NATO countries going round and round. And then, for instance, if there are any foreign witnesses from another continent, they would be from Australia and they would be from normally Melbourne. I think this is exactly what we see in Las Vegas as well. So they sort of, they use the same people maybe as crisis actors uh, when they're on their sort of uh, own backyard. And then when it's a, a operation abroad, they just use the same players, but as a, as a witness or, and so on. So very often, same people, same people. Mm -hmm. And do we see this in Vegas? I, I'm not sure yet. What, what we've seen here is like, uh, I've seen this, uh, uh, two or three high profile, uh, people that have, uh, you know, very well known on YouTube and have been on different talk shows and, billionaires and, and so on, these type of individuals. But it's too early for me to say yet. But like I mentioned, when it came to the Stockholm truck attack, out of 24 witnesses or people that claim to have seen the truck, these are all the people that I know that claims to have seen the truck go down this pedestrian street and killing people. Out of all of these 24, 21 belong to one of these three groups. And the three that are... Uh, did not fit in. I'm sure if I kept digging, I would find connections as well. Yeah, I saw some weird things with the Vegas interviewees. There was one that looked like she was wearing an eye in the pyramid pendant. Another one had army trucks behind her. Like the night of the shooting, why would there be army trucks there? I think that speaks to your earlier point about putting these things in place early. But there are some weird little things with the Vegas interviewees for sure. You have, uh, there were, they're said to have been so-called moulage trailers, army trailers at the uh, Mandalay Hotel, uh, the days before and during when this happened. I, I'm still waiting to see if I can get any photos of these trucks. But this uh, moulage uh, thing is the army version of crisis actors. They're the ones that are preparing, uh, you know, crisis actors for different uh, army uh, type uh, situations with victims. I mean, simulated victims with blown up parts and blood squirting everywhere and horrific uh, injuries and so on, but made with makeup. And uh, it seems like these trucks were on location. And I think very likely they were connected to this uh, Homeland Security drill that it was even called Capstone. I mean, mm -hmm. the capstone is the top of the pyramid normally. Right. Yeah. And I, what do you make of that? Also, that woman who was apparently saying to people 45 minutes before in the concert, you're all going to die. I mean, that's been a heavily reported thing. Who knows about the accuracy of that? But there's, it is quite, there's several different predictions uh, about what was going to go down. And you will see once again that this is... Uh, Sometimes people, you know, that are somehow involved, maybe this woman who is saying that 
had been in, in the drill, knowing that something was going to happen, or had some kind of connection to the authorities on a level where this individual were aware of that something was going to happen, and maybe she was trying to warn people. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or it's just a part of a, a distraction thing. But I've seen it happen before when people have leaked out the Twitter messages or things like that, just saying, please, please be aware, don't go there that day or don't uh, do this and so on. And actually on 9-11 this year, somebody was uh, anonymously, or he called himself John, he was sending out uh, different messages saying, the next one is going to be Vegas, so please stay away. It's going to happen in Vegas. Yeah, I actually... I wrote that down and he says, be careful in Vegas. There will be an event to help push the narrative that large high security events are not safe enough. The high incident project is what it's called. If their plan is successful, they will pass a law requiring metal detectors, backscatter machines in all casinos. Next, a federal law for any large crowded places. OSI and Chertoff make these machines. In 2020, these companies will merge. Mr. Chertoff is working with Sheldon Adelson. And what's weird about that is I looked him up and he apparently was one of Hillary's biggest oppositions over Whitewater when that scandal was going on. But yet right before the election, he came out and sided with Clinton saying that Trump is just so dangerous. We have to rally behind Clinton. It's like, well, you're an investigator of her. What are you saying? Why did you change sides like this. And then, of course, Clinton has gun control tweets ready the morning after Vegas. And then, of course, I also just saw an article that this Sheldon Adelson guy had a meeting with Trump right after the event. So this kind of seems to get to that problem reaction solution template that you brought up earlier. I mean, this seems like the the solution right here. We need more higher level security. We need these machines. And sure enough, we actually make the machines. So Convenient for you. Th- that is so, so important here because this is solution. This is the solution they are offering us now. I would say they're going to push this agenda forward massively. And uh, I never got to that. That also is one of the reasons they are going for these areas that are already high security, you know, like concerts, hotels, uh, all of these things that should already be protected. But now they're going to say, Ooh, because of the terror alert, it's so high that uh, we've got body scanners when you go and buy, buy broccoli next time, when you go to school, when you go to the library, when you go to the post office, when you go to all of, because these are the people also manufacturing these horrific machines. I tell you, when it comes to body scanners, it's time to freak out. They are very, very scary. We are being told, no, no, they're totally harmless. They are not. And some of them even can go in and change your DNA, uh, according to what uh, researchers have told me. So one thing that is very good to know is when you get to the airport, uh, I don't know in the U.S., but uh, everywhere else, as far as I know, you can always opt out. You can say, that's very kind of you to offer me this body scan, but I prefer not to. And they will say, please do. You have, and you can just say, it's very kind of you. Is it mandatory or not? And they will say, it's not mandatory, but we would prefer if you walk through it. I said, thank you very much. But if it's not mandatory, I will just opt out. And then they will say, I've opted out uh, every single time I come to one of these horrific machines. And uh, uh, 
there was one woman in Holland. She said, well, if you do that, there will be consequences. And I said, okay, bring on the consequences. And she said, you will have to take off your shoes. <laughs> and, th and that was it. And another time I was taken into a tiny little room, interrogation room. I sat down smiling. The policeman was smiling and he said, why don't you want to? I said, it's a matter of principle. He said, okay, fine. And just uh, tick the box and uh, we left as friends. <laughs> you know, these ones, they're even called like backscatter machines. What does that mean? I mean, backscatter machine. It sounds like some kind of landmine that would blow you up from the inside, I think. And the other one is called ra Raptor. And the symbol, if you haven't seen it before, you go into these machines and there's sort of like a, a symbol or an icon where it's, it shows hold up your hands like this. But when you look at that uh, sort of the symbol for holding up your hands, it's a pyramid with, a, with the, the circle at the top of the pyramid. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's an Illuminati all-seeing eye pyramid. That's so true. I noticed that. It's very creepy. Another thing I just wanted to point out is I took a couple notes regarding stocks and the Security Council, and this ties into the problem reaction solution thing. But apparently on the National Infrastructure Advisory Council, this guy James J. Murren is on that council. He is also the chief executive officer of MGM Resorts International. Ooh. And James Murren... His name's James Murren. I mean, this is according to Wikipedia, which is a pretty mainstream source. They list the council members right there. I double-checked it. His name is there. So here's a guy who is in charge of this very casino space, and he's also on the advisory council to talk about these exact type of issues. And he also sold 294,150 shares of MGM stock on September 8th. At an average price of $34 a share, total sale was $10 million. So he did this right beforehand, the month beforehand. And actually, between September 6th and September 12th, five executives in total sold hundreds of thousands worth of shares. And uh, Director William Warwick Ground sold over 5 million shares alone. And the other detail was that a quarter of the members of the National Infrastructure Advisory Council have resigned since Trump took office. You know, we get a lot of this that Trump is making people so crazy that they have to resign. But it is interesting that this very council, before an event like this, a quarter of the people did resign. And I also started looking down this list. You know, who else is interesting on this advisory council? Well, I saw Carl Newman, who's the general manager of the George Bush International Airport in Houston. And I was like, that's uh, an interesting one for sure. And there hasn't been any attacks in Houston at the airport specifically, but there is a flood of articles that cite that the Houston airport specifically has announced new security measures as a result of the Brussels airport attack last year. So considering how many airports there are and this nexus of people, it does seem rather coincidental that one of these people on that same committee would make big changes at the facility that they're in charge of based on one of these other suspect attacks. So I thought that stuff was pretty interesting in that same realm. It is because it's the, the same group of super criminals, if you ask me, that are doing this behind the, the dark veils of uh, in the dark corridors of so-called power. And 
there's so much of these things that are based on lies. I mean, like this one, because of the Brussels airport attack, I have totally debunked that one. I've even been on location with undercover photographers. I have been in touch with eyewitnesses that have gave a totally different story to what actually went down on that Brussels airport. There's also photos of the Stockholm truck attack where the Swedish prime minister, a Bilderberg member, is shaking hand with a police officer that did not take part of anything, as far as I know, around the truck attack in Stockholm. But he appears at the Brussels airport attack one year earlier in a uniform, in a pilot outfit, and also possibly as a fireman. You see, we're seeing it's the same crowd, the same crew that are traveling around. I call them the global tour of terror, like a rock band on tour. They are traveling around, being transported in military planes, sometimes I think uh, C-130s, uh, which is also, there was a big one C-30 military plane uh, that just landed and was on standby uh, not far from Las Vegas at a new naval air base. This is how they're being transported around and around in different NATO countries, carrying out the exact same theme, the exact same thing everywhere. It's like seeing... Pink Floyd on a on a world tour, they will play the same tunes in the different cities that where they appear. Here we have the exact same thing, uh, but here instead of music, they're producing terror. Mm -hmm. So it's just when, when you see this is so important to understand that just because you see somebody on TV running around in a police uniform does not mean that he's actually a police officer or that he's driving an ambulance. Doesn't mean that he's a real ambulance driver. And a SWAT team uniform doesn't have to mean that he is actually a SWAT team member. We're looking at many of these events as a state event. It's like a theater show being played out in front of our eyes, but where the product and the, the reason for all of this is for this terror thing to be pumped out through media. Fear, 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 fear. That is what they want us to become, like totally fearful so that we will just bend over and accept their very brutal agenda, not even understanding what's going on. That's the plan. Right. I agree. And there are also, with Vegas, so many strange numerological and symbolic messages, too. Like, one of them, the date, of course, was 1001, which is a mirror image of itself, which we know that they like that for some reason. But also, if you take 91, which it was the 91 Harvest Festival, if you put 91 in front of 1001, you get 911001. That's 911-2001. I mean, that's just taking the date and the number in the event and just putting them together. I mean, that's just eerie. Who knows what it means, but it is eerie. Also, that you know, the 32nd floor, classic Freemasonic number. Also, I've been told it's actually the 33rd floor if you count the mezzanine, which again, that speaks even more to masonry with this secret, nebulous, possible other level. And of course, their symbol, that double-headed eagle, is got a black pyramid with the number 32 in it. And this took place in front of the black pyramid. You will also see that in my presentation at the Old Mine Conference, I show these pyramids and obelisks in, in several different other high-level cases, assassinations, including the assassination of Martin Luther King. Because uh, the thing, he did not die from the shots in the, at the Lorraine Motel. He was brought uh, to uh, a hospital, not the nearest one, but uh, further down into 
to Memphis. And right in front of where this uh, hospital used to be, they had built a massive big metal pyramid. It's called the Big Cedar Lodge. And it's right in the front of where this hospital is. So very often when somebody is uh, taken out, they, they put these uh, very symbolic, very powerful symbols there as almost like a business mark or they're, you know, like, um, just like in Vietnam. When, Call in card. Yeah. In, in Vietnam, when Operation Phoenix, this mass murder uh, operation was going on, they always left like a, a playing card, the sp- ace of spade. Uh, or something like that in the mouth of the victim, just showing our job. We did it, you know, become fearful. Here it's the same. And when you look at exactly where this uh, shooting in Las Vegas was carried out, it's right in front of this massive big pyramid, the Luxus uh, uh, Hotel. And right in front of the, the pyramid is an obelisk. And right in front of the obelisk is this big area where this crowd is said to have been shot at. So it seems to me like some people got killed here or hurt. I've been contacted by quite a few people that said that they had friends or family that were in the crowd that got hurt. So I I I do not want to be disrespectful in any way or form. And my heart is breaking for these individuals that are falling victims in these uh, horrific operations that have no feeling for human lives and so on. But I do believe that it's very important to find out who is behind it, who are the forces behind it, why was it carried out, and who benefits. Cui bono, the old Latin uh, verb, who benefits. You have to track it. And the best thing is to see who benefits from an operation, and then go backwards, track it backwards, because it will lead you to whoever carried it out. I think any homicide detective or so will say the same thing, that this is uh, one of the ways to to find out uh, how crimes were committed. Right. All stuff you got to look at for sure. Then you have this very weird thing about where the shooting came from. Because their witnesses are talking about everything from one to seven shooters from different directions. And it is very bizarre because uh, you have this, uh, it said that he was on the 32nd floor and that uh, that is where he was firing from. Yet it took 72 minutes for the police to get up there. That is one hour and 12 minutes while somebody crazy with a gun is shooting at a crowd. I mean, does that sound reasonable compared to the mass shooting in Norway where it took almost the identical time for the police to arrive to the island of Utøya, where a lone uh, crazy guy is said to have walked around and killed more or less the uh, exact same amount of people but on this island. You're right. And it's also weird. They say he was shooting between nine and 11 minutes. Why not just say about 10 minutes? But man, I just think you do great work. And it seems like you're needed more than ever. Do you have any other warnings going forward or other clues worth mentioning before we go? Uh, (laughs) I just wish that they would give it up. You know, I talk directly to them. Give it up. Give it up. It's so almost boring. The quality of these operations are ridiculous on many different levels. I'm not talking about 
horrific stuff like in LA, oh, sorry, Las Vegas, but many of the other operations. It is ridiculous. Millions of people are waking up on a daily basis. The time is out. You know, it's only a matter of time before it's lynching times. Mm. You know, the gap, you, you made the gap too big between the super wealthy and people, normal people that are not starving, but drowning in debt. So I heard this uh, TED talk uh, a while ago. It was an unknown zillionaire. He called himself a zillionaire. I don't know how many zeros that is, but it's a lot. And very nice person. What he said, he was speaking, he was giving a talk to very super, super wealthy people. And he said, for our sake, we, the elite few, we need to start sharing. You know, the end result will be that they will massacre us. It will come to a point where they won't take it anymore. So why don't we do it like this? Start sharing. Give back to society. Give back all of these millions and trillions that have been taken from normal people. Share inventions that have been uh, stolen from people. You know, Inventions that could benefit the humanity in amazing ways. Free energy devices that are already there. You know, all of these things, there's so many things that has already been invented that has just been suppressed. Give that to the people as well. Instead of being 1% against the rest of us, 99, they could join us, join us. And he also said, what is the difference between a 300-foot yard and a 500-foot yard? It's only the size. It's a boat. Hmm. What what are you gonna do with it? Okay, it's bigger than your the other zillionaires one, but that's the only thing that you can do with it. And I say these people that are so driven by greed, they have this, I believe, a massive big black hole inside of them that can never get enough. And they are swimming in shark waters. They're surrounded by people that will stab them in the back, that will kill them, that will eliminate them as soon as they're not uh of any use for them anymore. Get out, get out and join the rest of us. Become whistleblowers, share your knowledge about what you know, what you have been part of constructing, of, of creating this horrific thing that is controlling and trying to, to kill the world. That is the whole thing. There's this, this brutal power is just trying to destroy everything. Get out and help the rest of us to stop this and then let the world heal and lift to the next wonderful level where we will transcend this whole crap. It's over. The game is over. <laughs> Give it up. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Cheers to that inspirational speech. And again, lightonconspiracies.com is the website. Anything else to remind the people about where to keep up to date on your ongoing work? I tell you, I'm a one-man band, so I, I'm not part of a group or I, this is, uh, I'm not paid by anyone. So I'm doing this on donation basis. I've got Patreon. I've got Steemit. I've got, I'm trying to, everything I can to spread as, uh, on as big, uh, uh, a platform as possible. My books, uh, Coup de Time, Slow Motion, uh, Shadow of Tears, Remind Me, Yolanda Yoga Panda. There's several, on uh, Amazon. So what can I do is another one that my sweetheart has, uh, has uh, written. It's a perfect book for people that are just in the awakening uh, stage and so on. And 
if it's okay with you, if I end with a prayer, because the whole point of all of this, I think, is uh, to develop ourselves spiritually, to get our spiritual muscles fit, mm-hmm. you know, and just stand up for what is right. Listen, get, start to listen to the voice in your heart. You know what is right and what is wrong. We don't need governments. We don't need bullies to tell us what is right or wrong or laws that are just uh, strangling us from every single angle. We don't need that. We know you have like a GPS in your heart. Mm -hmm. You know what is right. You know what is wrong. You're born with it. So the more of us that start listening to the heart and go the longest distance, they say, from the brain to the heart, the more we start working from the heart, the better the world will be. So... The, I'm not a religious person, but I love this prayer. It's by my Raja Yoga teacher, Nelanis, and it goes like this. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May everyone, and especially the ones who heard us, be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all darkness, so victory to that light. Mm. Amen to that. And I tell you, Greg, I think we're getting very close, very close. I know people are saying this is doomsday and it's all over. Yes, it is, but for the better. I think that this machine is starting to totally crack down around them. Right. It's darkest before the dawn, they say. But what kind of statement is that? I've never been able to understand that. Well, that it gets really bad before it gets better. I know, but what... What is true is that it's darkest in the mid of the night, and then the closer you get to dawn, the lighter it gets. <laughs> and we are at a point where the fog is lifting. More and more people are starting to see, you know, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've never been able to see this clearly before. And now they suddenly see, whoa. So the thing is, it's not up to the masses to awake. The one you have been waiting for is you. I keep saying that the one that you have been waiting for to do something is you. Find out, ask yourself, what is your, what is your gift? What have you been equipped with in life? You know, what are your skills? What are your creativity? Are you a super baker or something like that? What can you do with that? How can you help? How can you lift your neighborhood? How can you help to, to sort this mess out? You know, we all need, everybody is needed. So become creative and join us. Mm-hmm. I agree, man. And thanks again. You definitely help us sort through this stuff and make us feel like we aren't alone when we notice the red flags in these types of events. So it's much appreciated and take care of yourself. Hopefully, you know, obviously we'll talk again, but hopefully it doesn't have to be in two months. You know, hopefully <laughs> it takes a while before we have two hours worth of false flag stuff to talk about. That's what I'm saying. I hope I'll never talk to you again. But <laughs> I do. I do. I hope that. But the next time, let's share a cold beer in LA or something like that somewhere. Cheers. But not that we have to discuss these horrific things. And once again, I just want to emphasize, emphasize any real victims, any real wounded people, no disrespect. I really hope I have not uh, hurt you in any way or form emotionally or so has not been my intention. But I hope I have aimed some light in areas that needs exposure and so that we can come to a bottom of what actually happened this day in Las Vegas. Agreed. Yeah, that's an important thing to point out again. 
of course I agree with you. And we got to keep looking at it. We can't just be afraid to. We can't just not do it out of uh, political correctness. So I appreciate the boldness and your willingness to look and take care of yourself out there. You too. You too. Sweet Szechuan sauce, people. Ole Demingard back in the saddle. I know it's awfully soon to have Ole back, but the Vegas thing just set off so many alarm bells to me. I even considered doing a solo show. But then Ole agreed, and it is his expertise, so we just knocked it out. I went a little light on the editing, too, just because I wanted to get this thing out as early as I could. And I do think we covered a lot of ground. I tried to follow up with some good detail where I could, but I did screw up that 9-11 date sync because it's just 10-1. So you take the 91 Harvest Festival in front of 10-1, and you get 9-11-01. Also, my buddy Justin pointed out that the devil horns hand signal that we see so many politicians flashing is 10.01. Finger up, finger down, finger down, finger up. And I just point out all these different angles because I do believe at least one of them has some significance. And what's interesting is I just spent basically a full day recording a show with Chris Knowles. Like, we talked in text for a few hours, started recording, and then he just suddenly lost his voice, so we took a long break and then restarted and redid some of the stuff from earlier. It just was... Basically, all I did that day is talk to Chris. And in terms of the show itself, it's probably three and a half, maybe close to four hours. And it's going to be a really good one. But it's all about the siren saga that he's been tracking and threads of water and Las Vegas. They're very, very heavy in that saga. And Chris was saying that he just knew we were creeping up on a culmination event. And then this happened. Now we have a Vegas shooting in front of a pyramid at a water themed casino, Mandalay Bay. And that their main feature is, of course, a huge aquarium. I've snuck into it myself. And when you look at the level of detail and the symbolism, it almost seems like one of those too elaborate for human hands situations. And I'm referring mainly to stuff like the Illuminati card game connection. I think we don't get there until the plus show, but for the singer who was on stage during the shooting to have a tattoo that is lifted off the Illuminati card game Vegas card, it's just too weird. You can't dismiss it because his initials are just J.A. It's actually another layer to the whole thing. And there's an infinite number of ways to represent J.A. that aren't lifted from an Illuminati card game that has tons of other sinks. So I don't know what those cards are. Some type of heavily charged sigils that seem to be manifesting on the material plane? It's hard to say, but it's definitely weird. And in terms of rolling out changes after an event like this, have you seen the story that YouTube changed their algorithm to filter out false flag videos? I mean, that's nuts. Just test the sort of thing yourself. It's been going on with Google forever. Put Vegas shooting false flag into Google and you'll get all these results that shit on that perspective. Sure, they got the keywords in there, but you'll only see critical articles. Then put the term in DuckDuckGo, a different search engine that doesn't use those type of controls. And you'll actually see how many real results there are from people thinking a lot of the same false flag thoughts. And of course, everything is alleged. I wasn't there. I have no insider information except for seeing these patterns in the past and never taking a coordinated story at face value. But I think a lot of the threads I brought up are things that I got from continuing to talk to Chris after our interview and following his post since the Vegas shooting has happened. And that is going to be a great episode because it's so unique, this Song of the Siren thing. And I can only imagine had we recorded it two weeks later, I don't even know we would have got all that context because this would have been such a huge element. And it's definitely taken up his time at this point when he's tracking sinks and just trying to unpack 
current events along with this saga. But another thing Chris had pointed out, synchro mystic that he is, is that in the movie Mars Attacks, there's a scene where a passing saucer shoots its beam pretty much at that exact spot where the concert was. And you think, so what? That's just a random movie. But it's not totally unrelated, because when the shooter's brother was asked if he was shocked by this, he said, it's like Mars has fallen to Earth. And of course, Mars is the god of war and presider over violence. And let's just add in to the mix that there's only two pictures that are shown of this shooter. One of them, he's wearing a NASA shirt, again invoking the space theme. And the other, he has a 13 tattooed in the middle of his neck. And people have been wondering if that's a photoshopped image, but whatever it is, it's in the picture. And then we move to another Vegas-themed movie, The Hangover. And in the opening credits, as they pan over the Mandalay Bay Hotel, the intro song lyrics say with a 13 tattooed on my neck. Not a 12 on my thigh, not a 6 on my hand, a goddamn 13 on my neck. While showing Mandalay Bay. So what the fuck is all this? Are these sacrificial rituals that are overseen by the Archons that the Elite seem to be in concert with? Are these the ripples of a manifestation? Are these the ripples of an event that heavily affects the collective psyche like we saw with the media references around 9-11? I don't know, but it does creep me out and it drives me nuts because it's not just symbolism of highly impactful events, but highly impactful and suspicious events that seem heavily manipulated to serve the elite's agenda. And that's why I think they might be side effects from the magic. But I'm not a magic expert. Few are. And I've also seen a lot of division even among people with a false flag perspective over the did people die or not issue. And that's really sad to see, because if we define the difference as a false flag attack versus a hoax, we have functionally the same thing right up to that line. And then we fight amongst ourselves over that last detail of deaths. We also lose a lot of the mainstream people just over that aspect. And I said this on the Plus Show, I'll say it again now, but I know four separate people who know a person who was at that concert, who either died or saw people die. And with respect to their privacy, my wife went to school with someone who was there and luckily came back with everyone she went with, but she's been pretty clear that she saw people that didn't make it. Also, two different conspiracy hosts have contacted me and told me that one had a friend who was buying weed in Vegas from a person who got a call that their coworker who was at the event died in the hospital from his gunshot wounds. And the other knew a dude from his hometown whose fiance was killed just a few weeks after having a kid. And that's incredibly sad. These are people who also think it's a highly manipulated event. Do you really want to lose them by telling them they didn't lose anyone? What do you know? And lastly, my dad, who's very open to the nobody died angle, called to say that his boss had a friend whose son had taken his daughters out there and he was shot in the head in front of his own children. So maybe we reel it in a bit on some of that stuff. Do I know any of these people myself? No, I don't. But for me, I consider this enough confirmation. And I have no dog in this fight. Personally, I think Sandy Hook is the most convincing case of a completely fabricated media event. And sadly, because of that, we always have to consider the angle in future events. But if you're going to go spouting off that nobody died in the faces of people who know that they did, you're an asshole. And you're losing a potential ally. I think all the elite want us to do is tear each other down. And both me and Ole are saying that what you're shown on TV is carefully selected footage and interviews. Those are largely staged to a degree, maybe even during an earlier drill. But you can't just analyze what you see on TV and come to a solid conclusion about the actual event overall. 
It really sucks. I think this was a sacrifice. I think the elite don't give a fuck about killing people, and to suggest that these are all hoaxes, it actually makes the elite seem not so bad. Because they go through all this trouble to hoax an event rather than just kill people. I don't like that angle. I think it's fucked up most of the time. Anyway, we did knock out a full show over this. There is a plus portion where we talked about a few other aspects. Again, that Illuminati card game connection, musical artists that seem to be connected to this terror campaign, the idea that the elite treat these events like a game, the death of Tom Petty, other events Ole analyzed in just the two months since we last talked, and the idea that if the game is karma, do we actually sometimes help the elite with these sorts of interviews, especially the prediction elements? It's something you got to consider, but there was one other thing we talked about where I sort of passed the baton to Ole and the subject ended up getting changed, and that was over the Shooter's Brothers t-shirt. So follow me here. And take this with a grain of salt, because I just saw it on a few websites, but the brother is wearing a shirt that says Central Florida Community Arts when he's being interviewed. And so the story goes, we look at that group and we have a Sarah Brady listed as the chair of the board. We look at the website for Sarah Brady and we see... Sarah Brady Public Relations specializes in crisis management and strategic communications. She has been named PR Professional of the Year by FPRA and one of Orlando Magazine's 50 Most Powerful People. Her website also brags that Brady has managed some of the biggest crises and reputation management challenges in recent memory. And it discloses that Sarah Brady worked with the Pulse nightclub after the shocking shooting that made news around the world in June of 2016. That's an IntelliHub.com article. It's also on a few other websites. I thought this was interesting. She also helped the family who lost their son to the alligator attack at Disney World and assisted the plaza in managing their reputation after the tragic crisis of Christina Grimmie's death. Because Sarah has navigated these rough waters, you know that she can help you through your crisis situation as well. So I don't know what that says about the alligator attack at Disney World. I'm sure you remember that story, but the Christina Grimmie death, we talked about that last time Ole was here. So it's a nexus of strange events that this person, Sarah Brady, seems to be involved with, and she's involved with this Central Florida Community Arts organization that is on the guy's shirt when he's talking about his brother that just went on a rampage. So that's a strange thread, right? Very weird. But I'm going to bring it back to the simplest of connections that I can actually vet. Wikipedia lists the members of the National Infrastructure Advisory Council. One of those people is James J. Murren, the chair and CEO of MGM Resorts International. And that seems like an odd coincidence to me. He also allegedly sold $10 million in MGM stock last month. So consider that. And if we want to get a little crazier, I did see some reporting on a Bohemian Grove connection. Apparently, they have different camps inside Bohemian Grove, and they do have a Mandalay Bay camp. It is the one that's membership is listed as having a lot of ex-presidents. It had Nixon, H.W. Bush, Kissinger, Gerald Ford, a lot of real power players. Also, Alexander Haig Jr. is listed as a member of the Mandalay camp. And who is he? Well, he was the chairman of the board at MGM Mirage for years until 2009. He was also apparently Secretary of State under Reagan and Chief of Staff for Nixon and Ford. I also read the Freemasons have a Mandalay Club also. And Steve Wynn, big name in Vegas, he bragged about hanging out with Colin Powell and Kissinger when he was at Bohemian Grove. So there does seem to be a nexus of these power players that goes between the Grove and Vegas. 
That's not too many degrees of separation before you find people who have been or are involved with the MGM group. And of course, this is all just alleged stuff that I'm reading, but you come here for a synthesis of alternative perspectives. I also heard something about Saudi Arabia owning the floors above the 32nd floor of Mandalay Bay. It's actually called the Four Seasons, and it's inside the hotel. It's a couple of floors up. And there's a suggestion that they could have been involved with this in some regard in terms of the weapons. That's why we don't see footage of them coming up from the bottom, because they might have come from the upper floors down to the 32nd. Something to note, because we've heard Saudi Arabia thrown around in other events that are similar to this, as we have with Mossad. But I'm not hearing that Mossad owns part of the hotel. I'm hearing that Saudi Arabia does. So I'm just letting you know. And lastly, I just want to read some quotes from some of the great alternative minds of our time. Firstly, going back to Chris Knowles, from one of his pieces, I pulled this off where he says, Paddock Sr. escaped from federal prison and lived on the lam for a decade. He wasn't exactly underground. He ran a bingo parlor. Quite an accomplishment, given that the U.S. Marshals aren't well known for letting prison escapees off the hook like that. Paddock was rearrested and given a slap on the wrist sentence despite being considered dangerously psychotic by the FBI. Don't ask me why, but the term federal informant keeps flashing into my head every time I hear about the guy. And I think those are great details. Also, John Rappaport, if you remember him from previous shows, to quote him, he said, Gun control would not be the only agenda in this false flag. Heavily militarized police all over the country would be another agenda. Putting a significant dent in the economy would be another if attendance in public events and in crowded public places diminishes. Such a reduction in attendance could even affect political forums and other gatherings where free speech and the right to assemble are vital. We've already seen significant disruptions at these events. Invoking fear and passivity in the population is another basic agenda. This leads to the attitude, let the authorities handle everything. We could see new, more outrageous violations of constitutional search and seizure principles, all in the name of the need for security. Also good points. Even Joseph Farrell said don't swallow everything you've been fed about this one, and David Matheson even made a video about it. So lots of people are skeptical. Lots of people are talking about different angles, and I would not get too obsessed with any one thread. you got to consider them all in aggregate, but the idea that the owners of the companies that manufacture high-security equipment and scanners would want to create an event to pass legislation to install more machines, that sounds pretty par for the course to me. And if I was going to take it up another notch and get even crazier, I would wonder what these scanners are really doing to our insides. Genetic manipulation seems to be on the agenda in so many ways. Why couldn't it be possible that they're going to expand the scanners from just airports to all major events? So tons to chew on. But when it comes to the elite, I strongly feel that they are in connection with some dark entities and that the elite work to implement these plans almost always through forms of technology that their companies develop. Chemtrails, vaccines, big pharma in general, nuclear weapons perhaps, and even cell phones, 5G, and the internet obsession... The advanced weaponry that suggested was used in the Vegas attack, and maybe even the technology used to keep us safe from those weapons. It's a lot, but in this upcoming show with Chris that I mentioned, he contemplates technology as an alien virus, and I sort of think it's the elite pawns doing the groundwork that, from which some archonic agenda can actually manifest. But you know, I'm a crazy person. And with that, I gotta get out of here. Do keep your heads up, have compassion for each other, and just be the best version of yourself that you can be. I'm out of here. Your move, Arconic Overlords and Elite Servants of their dark agendas, your fucking move. They built a little empire out of some crazy garbage. 
called the blood of the exploited working class. But they've overcome their shyness. Now we're calling them your highness. And the world screams, save me, THC. They destroyed the bonds of friendship and respect between the only people left who'd even look them in the eye. Now they laugh and make a fortune off the same ones that they tortured. And a world screams, save me, THC. Let's look for Jesus. Some will say. Called the blood of the exploited.